Well, before I get, kind of get into my little topic today, um, kind of finishing or being a part of my brother's series and your series on vision, I wanted to just share what God's doing in Estonia. How many people have heard of Estonia? Maybe Jose has mentioned it. Does anybody know where it is? Some, some people actually know where it is. So if you, if you know where Finland is, and Finland's a rather large country, it's a very long country, Helsinki is the capital of Finland, and we are, I mean, within a stone's throw of the capital, Helsinki is the capital of Tallinn, and that's where I live. I live in, in Tallinn, the capital city of Estonia. I've been there now, in November, it'll be the starting of 15 years, um, so I've been there for a long time, uh, have served there with all of my heart, literally all of my heart. Heart attack, bad joke. Anyway, um, sorry. I had one, you know, but that's another story. Um, uh, and have just, you know, seen God do a variety of wonderful, fun things and have been a part of some really great things that you as a church have helped us to do. As an example, one of the things was back in uh, January of 2013, we bought a building. And it was um, uh, back then a, a solid rock, now a Jesus church the group that come together and, and said we want to invest into Estonia and was able to help us buy a building. Now in Estonia, churches, especially new churches like ours, don't really buy buildings. It's not something we do. Uh, it's not something that happens very much at all because property gets expensive and, and things like that. And smaller churches uh, don't really have that opportunity. And the average size church in Estonia just, you know, is 25 people. Okay, that's the average church in Estonia. We, we have no mega churches. Um, the, the largest church in the country has, a, has an average attendance of about six to 800 people. It's the largest in the country. So to kind of put these in, into perspective. And so we were able to, to go and found a building and we asked for help from friends and they, you know, we were able to buy it. So I want to show you a picture of a pre-renovated. This is, this is in our main meeting room. We have other kids' rooms and toilets and stuff. This is pre-renovation. Let's just show the next one. That's what it looks like. Uh, now, and it's actually even looking better because we're still adding pieces and elements to it. If we can go to the next picture, it's the same room, just flip to the other side and go to the next one. We had to tear out all the walls, do all new electrical, all new plumbing, all new ventilation, everything. And, and uh, so I just wanted you to see, this is what you're a part of in Estonia. Because of the way you give uh, to the church here, the church is then able to invest in what God's doing in Estonia. We are still, if you can keep this in prayer, we're still about $30,000 short of fully renovating everything that we need, finishing the ventilation system, finishing the toilets and kitchen and different rooms that we still have to get through. But it's really getting there. We meet there every Sunday. Uh, while we were in a construction mode, we call it meeting in the mess. So we would do construction all week long, clean it the best we could, set up chairs, do worship, and then right after the service, tear everything down and make it all dusty and crazy again. Thankfully, that's over. And so we're actually meeting in this environment now. Thank you very much. And so um, pray for Estonia. There's a lot of things that God wants us to do and still be a part of. Uh, coming in December, we have our 13th uh, National Prayer Breakfast. And what we do at the prayer breakfast is we gather with the president, prime minister, members of government, members of parliament, and national and local leaders from around the country. We invite them to the parliament building to talk to them about Jesus. And what we do is every year we pick up a theme that we feel like God's drawing us to or something that's a hot topic for the moment, and we say, let's speak the gospel into this. And this year, uh, the title is going to be Security. What, what causes, what brings security? As maybe some of you are aware of, there's, we border uh, a rather large neighbor to our east, 
uh, who has been flexing its bearish muscles uh, in different countries of the former Soviet Union. And Estonia, since we border Russia, it's always kind of these weird little places that feels that tension very, very quickly and very, very aware of it. So if you can keep Estonia in your prayer, um, it's an awesome little place. I would encourage you to come and visit. Um, we've had teams. It's been a while since we've had a team from the church here come and visit us for a variety of reasons. But we'd like to, I was talking with Jose about, let's, let's kind of see if we can do that again. And so we just would invite all of you to come. Just don't call them at the same time. That would be a mess, okay? That would not be so great. But we'd love for you to come and visit. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. And just before, as you're getting to Luke chapter 24, I just want to share a couple things with you again. Um, uh, as I was leading, leaving the morning service, uh, I was sitting in the car on the way going home, and the Lord, what I felt was God, and I'll put this out there because I already talked with Kenny about it, um, and to Carmen and a couple of others, this, a word kind of came up into my heart, into my spirit, I don't know how else to explain it, and that was this, it was the word divorce. And, um, you know, this morning we kind of did something with, with back pain uh, and where we had people pray for each other. And I'm not asking for you to raise your hand if you're about to go through a, a divorce. But, but what I do want to say is I felt like even as we were worshiping and praying in the back with the guys is that there's some of us here, um, whether you're doing this, you're presently engaged with thinking about, I want to divorce my spouse. Um, and I want to encourage you uh, tonight at the end of our service to come and receive prayer because uh, God loves you. And, and I understand that divorce happens for a variety of reasons and people begin to hate and get angry with each other for, for things that started very small and grow into very large things. But God really wants to restore marriages. He wants to restore broken things. And maybe that's the word of God for you is he wants to restore broken things in your life. And I don't know, and I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand and come forward. What I'm going to ask is at the end of the service today, if that's you, if you've been really contemplating this, you came tonight thinking, oh, I, I want out, but I came just, to, just in case I'll come to church. Maybe God will speak. I, I think he, he's heard you and, he's, and he knows this and he wants to restore your life and your marriage. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is um, as we were worshiping, I just had this sense that God is um, wanting to call some of us. Um, I don't know how to explain this either, except that there is a calling uh, for people. Um, I happen to live overseas. I'm a missionary who lives someplace else. Um, and, and I know that the, the, let's say, the missional model is, and that we all are missionaries wherever we are, in the workplace, at our school, no matter where we are, we're missionaries. And it's absolutely true. Uh, no matter where you are, God has called you to be a missionary in that environment. At the same time, there are certain things that he does as he calls people into a different place in their own life. And if you're here tonight and you've kind of had a sense that God may ask you to, he's asking you to do something different than you've ever done before, and it's more of a calling, not like, you know, a vocation, but more like a calling. You sense that God's drawing you to something. Um, I, I, I just have that sense that, there are some missionaries here, is what I'm trying to say, who, who maybe God is, wants to send to far places. And so if that's you, I would love to pray with you at the end of the service today. Um, is that cool? Now, at, just so you know me, uh, yeah, yeah, I may look a little bit like Jose. We may sound a little bit like each other. Um, 
as I'm speaking, I may stop myself and just, if I feel like God's saying something, I'll just stop and I'll just tell you what I think God is saying. So if we're cool with that, I'll keep going. Is that cool? All right, good. Luke chapter 24, um, verse 13. Uh, this is awesome story uh, of this little road trip that a couple of the followers of Jesus were taken down to the city called Emmaus, a little village, right after Jesus had been crucified and had been raised from the dead. And as you can imagine, there are a bunch of people who are really uh, worried, concerned. This Messiah that we thought he was, he was a prophet, powerful person, we knew this about him, but we're not so sure because he's dead. And we hear these rumors that maybe he's alive and that's just strange. What do we do? If you can imagine, of course, we read this in the future, looking backwards and say, duh, that was Jesus. But try to put yourself in their shoes. Try to, try to see that you've been following something with giving your life to it, and all of a sudden the leader died, was killed. And, and then you hear these rumors that, yeah, he is alive, and that kind of can be a bit confusing. And so you have a bunch of, a couple of guys who are walking, in verse 13, on the city of court, uh, the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about what had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And Jesus' response is, what things? Now, could you imagine? Jesus is talking about things that happened to himself. Okay, so it's not like he doesn't know what happens. To me, it kind of reminds me of, you know, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve had, you know, taken of the fruit of the tree and, and ate, and God comes in the cool of the day as he did to hang out with his friends, and, he, and he, he couldn't find them. Of course, he knew where they were. He says, uh, where are you? And they said, oh, but, you know, we're naked. We cover ourselves. Who told you you were naked? I mean, he kind of asks silly questions, really, because he's God. And Jesus somehow hides their eyes and asks them, you know, why are you upset? What are you talking about? And then, duh, what things? And I love this because they said about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And he began to say what they thought, what, what had happened over these last, you know, these last couple of days. And, and could you imagine Jesus is sitting there waiting for them to kind of recognize what was going on, but they just didn't. Instead of saying, we knew the Messiah had come, they said, well, he was a prophet. They, they didn't recognize that Jesus who died on the cross was the one who was to come. He was the king. He was powerful in word and deed, and, and man, they killed him. And then we've heard that some people saw that he's, he's risen from the dead, but man, we just don't know what to think. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. I love that. It reminds me of Mark chapter 6. You know, the, the, the disciples of Jesus are in a boat. They're wanting to head out on the water. 
Jesus is staying on land. And as they're getting out, you know, it's a bit wavy, it's a bit rough. They're not getting anywhere. Jesus starts to walk on the water in their direction. But the scripture says he was going to pass them by. He was walking, they're there, and he's just going to walk as if to pass them by until they cried out. And then Jesus stopped and joined them and entered into the boat with them. Could you imagine having this conversation? Jesus is talking with these guys, these followers of him, and it says he's going to keep on going. They're going to just move over to Emmaus, and he's going to keep on walking. And, and until they said to him, oh, don't go, stay with us. It's, it's the evening. The day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. It seems to me, it seems to me that although God knows everything, and he does, he waits for us to respond to him from the cry of our heart to say, God, I need you. He knows we need him. He knows the needs that we have before we ask. And yet he seems to enjoy when we ask. Dad, I need these things. When I was growing up, it was really easy. Mom and dad, I want, right? How many have kids? That seems to be the mantra of every child. Dad, mom, I want. Well, God's not unfamiliar with that, and he actually likes that when his kids turn to him and say, God, I need you. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and, and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us? The church has been going through a four-week series on the vision, a vision series. Can anyone tell me what that one sentence was that kept being spoken over and over and over again. Can anybody tell me? It was a little vision statement. It starts with helping. Ah, there you go. See, I, know, I just knew you needed a little help. I just knew you needed a little help. That's all. That's all. Just, just to say, I only heard it once and I memorized it. Not, uh, not to bring guilt and judgment, but man. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's, it's helping people experience life with Jesus, okay? And if that's really the vision and mission and the, the future of where this church is going to go, we need the kind of lives that when we come in contact with people who don't yet know Jesus, when they walk away from us, their hearts are burning within them. It says, oh my goodness, when I'm hanging out with them, my heart just jumps. There's something about what they have and who they know and what they're about that I want. I want to be close to this. I had a friend and I, who uh, has a really cool sports car, a rally car in Estonia. And he was always a very exciting person to be around because you jump in the car with him and the next thing you know is you wanted to vomit because he just would take every... Now, this is on streets. This isn't like on dirt tracks. He was nuts. And, but he was always exciting because when you get in the car, like, ooh, something's going to happen. <laughs> Except I, I really didn't want to stay with him very long because I thought, I'm going to die with him. You know, that's not a good thing. Uh, and then, you know, I had this other experience. My wife and I had the chance to go see Andrea Bocelli in, in Tallinn. He came to Tallinn in an open-air theater. You know who Andrea is? Yes. Okay. Now, 
To sit down and listen to this guy for two or three hours was easy as cake. As a matter of fact, he had somebody else singing with him. And after he, the, he would sing this awesome song, and, and then he would walk off the stage, and this other person would get, And I would almost be like, would you please be quiet? And would you, Mr. Bocelli, would you just come back and, and do that again? You know? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, there, there are other acts. Who cares? Would you please come back and sing again? Because there was something about the car race that was exciting, and it felt good, but it had a great up and then a serious drop. And there was other thing about Andrea, who when he sang, he just wanted, it, it kind of like he brought you into the moment with him, and you're like, oh, I want more. And it re our lives should be the kind of lives that leave people, oh, I, I, I want more. When, when people gather at your homes, and you're in your missional communities, or you're at work, you're at play, you're at school, wherever you are, our, when we walk, we walk with Jesus. Did you know that? We walk with Jesus. Jesus walks with you. The Holy Spirit of God, if you follow Jesus, he lives in you to empower you to be the witness of, of Jesus in the world. And he empowers us to live our life for him. And wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? If when people came to your homes or, or at work or at play and they left you wanting more of you because you show them who Jesus is. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing when brokenness walks into your presence and you can say, let's pray and let's bring healing? Not a theoretical healing, an actual healing. Where sick people are made well. Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. Because his spirit, bearing witness with your spirit that you are a son of God and as a result, being a son of God, you get to do the things that Jesus does. Hello? I mean, imagine this was true. But it is. But imagine if we lived like this. Imagine if our lives were to impact people to the point where they want Jesus. Imagine that. So my question for us, question for myself is constantly, when people leave me and leave my, my, my home or what we do in our church or wherever we are, do they leave wanting more of Jesus? How, how, do, I, how do I gauge that, though? Well, it, do they want more? Do they keep coming back and do they come to you for help and for advice, for prayer? It, it seems to me in the Scripture there was a couple of things that, that are, are simple keys, keys, Simple ideas that, that maybe we can walk away with. At the first place, Christians have this bad tendency of having all the answers to questions no one is asking. Have you noticed that? So what if, as Jesus started by asking questions, what if we were a people who knew how to ask questions? One of the things I've learned living in Estonia and, and working with leaders specifically, politicians and, and this kind of thing, business leaders, is I walk into a room and I really don't know anything. I, I don't, I, I'm not a business guy, I'm not a politician. I, so I walk in ignorant. So I have to ask questions. And I've learned to ask questions. What if we were a people who learned to ask the right questions? to probe at people's hearts, to probe at people's lives and say, hey, you know, what's going on? How can I help you? What, you know, whatever it is, ask God to give you 
the questions to ask people. And the other thing, which is really a simple thing, is know the Bible. Jesus was able to take them from Moses through the prophets and through all of the scripture to talk about himself. It's sad to say this, but in most churches, I'm not saying this is about you, but in most churches that I go to, most Christians know very little of the Bible, the actual Bible. Now, maybe you don't like paper and books. I happen to like a book. Maybe you have it on an iSmart something. I don't know. But do you know it? Are you able to tell the story of God in the kind of a way that draws people in? Or are we the kind of people that just loves to hammer at things and just be right all the time for the sake of being right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus was able to take them through the Scripture. And the other thing about Jesus is, remember what the Bible says about him, is that he had the Spirit of God without measure. So in other words, he had the anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit to a degree that none of us will ever be able to have because he was perfect and none of us are. However, Jesus did say that he had to go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit would come, so that he would be the one that testifies to us who we are, and that we would do the same things that Jesus did. That's what the Bible says. Isn't it? Doesn't it say it? And if it says it, my question is, is it true? And do we want to live the kind of empowered life that, that is, that's filled with the Spirit? If I, I don't know how to express this, if I did not know that I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He speaks to me. He helps me to understand. He opens the Scripture to me. He gives me, at times, words of things to help people. If I was not aware of that, I would be less effective. We all can have the kind of walk with God, the kind of walk with the Spirit of God, that when He speaks to us, we learn to listen and recognize His voice and be able to help people. Wouldn't it be awesome when we walk and we're shopping or we're at work or whatever, doing the things that we normally do, if all of a sudden you just knew what God was doing in someone's life? You just knew it. And you were able to, because you're able to ask good questions and you know the story of God, you're able to then bring Jesus to someone because God gave you some inside information about what someone's going through. Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know about you, but I think that'd be, that would cut to the chase. <laughs> that would take years away of trying to figure things out if I just learned to hear what he was saying and learned to hear what he was doing. And I believe this. I honestly believe this. If it's something, if he is something we desire, he wants to fill us with himself so that we do hear. Because I tell you, I want to have the kind of life that when people come in contact with me, they walk away saying, I, I want what he has. I need what he has. Not because I'm something special. You gotta see me. I mean, I am a Hispanic guy in a very tall, white country. So I don't, one of these things just doesn't belong here. That's me, okay? Uh, but through the years, I've just learned to try and hear what God is saying in the moment and say, Lord, would you help me? 
Would you help me reach people who don't get, who are far from you? They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? Friends, church, this is my home church in the Northeast. My brother pastors here. My sister-in-law, her family is here. You're family to me. And you got to understand, Spanish people are a bit weird this way. When we're family, it's actually, we actually mean we're family. We love you, hug you, kiss you, the whole nine yards. You know what I mean? And what I would love to see for this church, for you as individuals, is that God would place his spirit on you, that you recognize he is doing something in you, and that you are empowered to be his witness. This, we live in a world that's desperate, desperate for Jesus. There's brokenness everywhere. All you have to do is open your eyes and see the brokenness around. And yet you have Jesus in you who loves to fix broken things. It's what he loves to do.